Hey, whether you enjoy listening to Breaking Down Collapse or Building Up Resilience, I think you'll also really enjoy our bonus content on Patreon. Yeah, Kellen and I take 20 minutes each week to talk about the news that's happening all around us and Collapse as it plays out. We like to have a little fun with it, but also make sure that you're aware of what's going on in the world of Collapse. We look forward to having you join us there. The link to join us on Patreon is in the episode description. All right, Kellen, you took the week off last week, uh, so we didn't record a regular episode. I recorded a bonus episode by myself. Um, how was your How was your trip? It was great. Really enjoyed it. Nice. Thanks for letting me take a week off. Yeah, maybe I'll get one of those sometime. Mm, maybe. I've built up a bunch of uh, hours for pay time off at work. I'm just not using them. Are you talking about your real job? My, yeah, not this job. This job doesn't give me paid time off. <laughs> okay, I just want to... Because I was saying to you, like, thank you for letting me take that time off. I'm not your boss. As a joke. <laughs> but then you were, like, telling me that you saved up a bunch of hours. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to submit a request to you later for some time yeah, off. Yeah, I'll approve your PTO request. Okay, sounds good. Uh, last week, or last time around, we talked about uh, understanding the variables, right? Um, this week is a, I think it's a variation of that. It goes further than that. And this could be taken in a lot of directions, but this is sort of the crux of preparation, right? Is the ability to do threat modeling. And I think threat modeling can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Um, there's not one specific correct or wrong way to do threat modeling. Um, but I'm excited to get into some of the different ideas around it. And, uh, you know, some ideas that maybe we've kind of just put together on our own and uh, get into what it means to to assess your threats and, and how to address them. Yeah, well, we've been building kind of layer upon layer, right? And so I think it's been good that we've had all of the steps so far, just introducing the framework. Now, at this point, like, how can you really prepare unless you know what threats you're trying to prepare for? And when you talk about that term of threat modeling, it's interesting because if you go look up threat modeling, usually that term is used to refer to like cybersecurity. Um, and, and we're not talking about cybersecurity here. I mean, maybe in part. Yeah, but, sure. <laughs> but we're using that term because it fits, uh, but we're using it in, in a different context and using a much broader definition of it. Uh, I think we're going to be looping in a lot of different types of assessments or evaluations for what kind of threats uh, are in your life and how to prioritize those and how, how you need to mitigate those. Uh, we're kind of pulling all of that under the umbrella of that term threat modeling here. Yeah. And I think in today's episode, we're going to be going over, we're going to be looking at it from a pretty broad stance, right? This is going to be a half hour, 45 minute episode, whatever it ends up being. And we simply can't go too deep into it, but we can give an idea of what it is, um, how it could work, some different uh, different types of threat modeling. Um, and then we'll go into it deeper later. We'll pick um, some of those specific types of threat modeling, um, different theories or methods that people have. We'll div dive into them deeper. Maybe we'll do some examples at some point. Um, but the purpose of this episode is to give you an idea of, of what it means. And uh, hopefully you can take from this sort of the initiative to do this step on your own. 
pull out a piece of paper or an Excel spreadsheet and start to uh, start to go through this process so that as we start looking at the next steps of the framework, um, you feel prepared to go into those. So on that note, kind of to dive in here, um, there's a really great website called The Prepared. I believe it's just theprepared.com. Um, we are, you know, one of our missions is to bring to light as many resources as we can when it comes to preparedness and resilience. Um, and this is one that I feel like stands apart from others in that it's non-political. Um, and I just feel like it does a really great job at being realistic about like communities. It doesn't go to any extremes. So anyway, check out that site if you're interested uh, in a good resource for preparation. They have a little blog post on threat modeling. And I thought there were some interesting ideas in there. Some of the comments that were left there I thought were, were interesting. Um, I'm going to read this. It says, The purpose of a threat model is to examine your preparedness by identifying assets, threats, defenses, and vulnerabilities. In short, the process answers the questions, what am I preparing for? What do I have? How can I protect it? What could go wrong? And what am I missing, overlooking, or not seeing? So the basic process of, th of threat modeling is figuring out what do you have that's worth protecting, right? And that could be a wide variety of things from physical assets to loved ones, right? Um, to your own morals, if that's something you're trying to protect, right? I mean, it, it's it's wide ranging. So what do I have worth protecting? What can I do to protect it? What can't I do to protect it? Like what what vulnerabilities do I have? And then what are the actual threats that I need to be protecting those things from? So um, it's kind of a broad set of questions, but I think it kind of helps us begin to say, um, where am I at and where what changes do I need to make to be where I need to be? And not to keep like pointing back to things we've already talked about, but I think that's why it's so important that we have already talked about the pillars and the variables. And that's what lays the groundwork for you to be able to start to identify those things. For example, when you talk about like, what do I have that I need to protect? That is going to look very different from person to person based on their variables. You mentioned one of those things that you might need to protect is loved ones. And, uh, you know, for person a who is like single doesn't have any close family members or friends that live close by uh, versus somebody else who has like a large family that they're trying to provide for and trying to protect the way that they identify the threats that could have a negative impact on the, on that variable is going to look very different. So I, I just, I just love that we're going through this in a way that's applicable to everybody and can be tailored to everyone. And, you know, I also think that that goes back to um, the very first step of the framework, which is knowing your desired outcome, because knowing what you want to accomplish, like knowing what lengths you're willing to go to protect something, um, knowing really what it is in the end you're trying to protect. You know, if, for example, you say like, my life doesn't matter that much to me, but like, I'm going to go as long as I can if it means protecting a loved one, for example, um, or protecting a community, a place you love, your land, I don't know. Um, knowing what your desired outcome is, it's going to help you prioritize what those things are that you're trying to protect as well. So like you said, all the previous stuff we've talked about all adds up to help make this step easier as well. 
And those different factors that you mentioned, like one of them is, is identifying what things you need to protect. One of the other ones you mentioned is knowing what you can do about it. And another was what you can't do about it. And that one I think is particularly interesting uh, because so often people spend their time worrying and stressing about things that they can't really do anything about. So there's the one side of just like recognizing where you're vulnerable and trying to shore up against those vulnerabilities. But there's the other side of just, there are certain things like, like a meteor striking. That's a threat. It's it, like, it's a threat. It could happen. Um, and it would be devastating, but there is nothing I can do about that. Right. So again, that's super helpful if I'm trying to prioritize where I should spend my time. Yeah. Great points. So, so it seems like kind of maybe if there was steps to this process, step one would be to say, what am I trying to protect? Step two would be to say, what am I trying to protect it against? And with this step in trying to determine what the threats actually are, you've just described a really good sort of factor to keep in mind that I think we'll dive to further in just a second. But you have to keep in mind all the different types of threats that are out there. And there are tons, right? Um, I've made a, a little list just um, off the top of my head. I'm sure it's not all inclusive, but you've got things like uh, that might be related to climate change, to utility failure, systemic issues, localized violence, war, terrorism, structural issues, industrial accidents, government failure, individual issues like job loss, um, health issues, and then ec economic problems. It, threats come from everywhere, right? There is different severity of threats. Um, you can think of things that, you know, like, like you mentioned, a meteor, which is an extremely severe threat. And, uh, but you can look at every little thing as being a threat. And you can probably take it too far digging too far into the weeds at what could be considered a threat. So it is important to pay attention to and prioritize what threats are actually worth spending time on, whether they're too big, like a meteor, right? That's impossible to prepare against or too small. Um, you know, something that's probably not worth the time to prepare for. Yeah. And that's, that's really what it comes down to. Like first identify the threats. Second, prioritize those threats that will lead to the the plan of action that we'll get to later, right? Being able to prioritize your efforts to mitigate those threats. And you might think to yourself, well, how do I even, where do I start? How do I go about that? And I think there's a really effective measure for doing that. It comes from something that you see in the business world. Sometimes uh, you'll see somebody make like a matrix. If they've got a bunch of tasks they're trying to complete and they will rank each task based on its impact and its urgency. And then you can basically make quadrants, right? Like you can, you can make a matrix on one axis. If you've got like, you've got from low to high impact and the other axis, you've got low to high urgency. What you want to prioritize first is those things that are high urgency and high impact urgency in this context when we're talking about risks regarding like your personal well-being is is a little bit harder to understand. So what I would suggest is impact and likeliness. So if you can look at each risk and basically rank them high, medium, or low in terms of their their impact, how devastating it would be if it actually happened, 
and the likeliness of it actually happening. Yeah, probability of, of occurrence. Yeah, then that's that's going to help you prioritize. So, for example, we talked about like a meteor. Would it be very devastating? Absolutely. What's the likeliness of it happening? Pretty low, right? Um, a couple of these, as I, I tried to think about it for myself personally, like a terrorist attack, for me, that would be... I mean, any sort of terrorist attack would probably be very high impact, very devastating. And yet the likeliness of it is very low. But if you might live in an area of the world where that happens much more frequently. So for you, that might be a higher priority to pre prepare against. Or even if, if you're in a larger city in the U.S., it's going to be a higher likelihood than if you're living in a rural town. Yeah. So let me give you another example kind of on the opposite end. For me, seasonal allergies, <laughs> what's the what's the impact? It's pretty low, but the likeliness is very high. So like, should I spend a lot of time preparing against that? Like, probably not because it just, it's not that big of an impact. So one that maybe I would want to spend more time on is something like identity theft. Like rates of identity theft keep going higher and higher and higher. To me, like when I think about my resiliency and like being financially resilient and being emotionally and mentally resilient, if if my identity was stolen and somebody started doing all these things with it and spending all the money that I have, that would be very impactful. Like that would have a high impact. And the likeliness of that happening is actually quite high. So that's one area where I can say I should prioritize finding a way to prevent that from happening. But you mentioned so many other things, um, like you you know a pandemic to have that happen again. How likely is that? That might depend on your variables, where in the world you live, how prevalent infectious diseases are. Um, something like natural disasters. Well, and even sorry, real quick before you move on with something like a pandemic, um, the the probability will depend on your variables, right? But so will the impact. You have pre-existing conditions, right? Maybe if it's another COVID, for example, the average very fit person may not have as much to worry about as somebody who has pre-existing conditions or comorbidities. So things like that, um, it's going to impact both both axes. Yeah, well said. I think that's a real good point. And so it, it's so important as you consider every risk to kind of rank it on these two different variables That'll help you know what you should prioritize. Um, and you might think to yourself, well, some of these things I don't know. I don't really know what I like is, is most likely to happen to me. And I think of something like natural disasters. Somebody might think, man, there's so many natural disasters that can take place. That there's so many of them that are so devastating. How do I prioritize which one I should prepare against? Uh, but there are lots of resources out there to help with that. So, for example, if you Google the phrase most likely natural disasters in my area, at least when I Google that, the one of the first results is a website for the Federal Emergency Management Agency or FEMA. And they have a natural or, or a national risk index for natural hazards, which is awesome. Basically, you just put in your zip code or your address or whatever, and it will zoom in on a map and look at the county that you live in, in the United States. And it will rank a number of different things on, on their, 
likeliness based on where you live. So you can see the national, how you compare against the national percentile and also uh, how it compares to the state that you live in. They rank the expected annual loss in that county, the social vulnerability, and the community resilience in every single county in mm. the United States. Yeah. So uh, as an example, when I started doing this, I found out that apparently I do not need to worry very much about coastal flooding. Interesting. <laughs> I never would have imagined. We don't live in a coastal area. I don't need to really prepare for hurricanes or tsunamis or volcanic activity or tornadoes or major hail, landslides, ice storms. Those are all things that either are not a risk at all or a very low risk. Some of the things I do need to worry about are extreme winter weather, heat waves, and earthquakes. And there's even some resources there where you can review a flood map of your specific area to see, because obviously within a county, there's going to be certain areas that are uh, more likely of, uh, or more at risk of a flood than others. So you can see if you're at flood risk. So pretty cool that there are resources like that out there. This is just one example of natural disasters where you can already see based on the data, which of these is most likely to happen to me. And then when you match that with the level of impact, that's, that's how you know how to prioritize that risk. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's great to have a resource like that. And I think for, for many of the threats, there are likely resources out there and research that can be done. So, so if we're, if we're looking at all of the threats, right, that are, that are out there, there's too many to number. You, I love that you mentioned like seasonal allergies. That's a great example of a threat that is technically a threat, right? But the impact is so low that it may not be worth spending a, a lot of time, a lot of time on or preparation on, right? Obviously, if you suffer from seasonal allergies, like you should get some Zyrtec or something, right? <laughs> you probably already have. That is still a form of preparation. But when we're talking about, um, where to put our money, our time, our efforts and energy, our education, and all of those things, we're probably going to want to focus on the potentially high impact and, and high probability areas. Um, <clears throat> I also like that you just mentioned you went through some natural disasters. And a minute ago, I went through a list of different types of threats, and I just read through them quickly. I think it might be beneficial to go through some of those in more depth, um, just really fast to give a better idea of what types of threats should we be looking into? Um, if you do have a pen and paper or an Excel spreadsheet or whatever it might be, it might be good, again, to list out these different threats and then go through and rank them. Basically say, where, which of these am I worried about? And, um, I, and I think we should do that. I think it's well worth the time. I also think it's a good reminder that like many of these threats we plan to dive into in detail in future episodes. This is still high level, right? We're going layer upon layer yes. as we're building up this framework. Um, so if you're kind of working through your own personal resilience as you listen to this, awesome. Just know that we'll have opportunities in the future to get deeper and deeper on this. Yeah, I think I think it would be a great idea at this time to do it, to do along with us here a threat analysis at least at a high level. So to say, okay, when it comes to things like natural disasters or climate change, which of these areas am I most 
vulnerable to, right? You mentioned a couple like floods, um, coast, coastal flooding, hurricanes, hail. There are dozens of those. Blizzards, derechos, drought, um, earthquakes. I'm not going to read them all, but there are so many. So kind of thinking about every type of natural disaster or, or climate change uh, involved threat and then deciding, okay, which of those are most high impact and high probability. For things like systemic threats, you have things like supply chain shortages, right? That's a systemic issue and likely a high impact issue. Pandemic. For wars, you have things like civil wars, international wars. Um, you could go as far as saying nuclear preparation, right? That's one of those very high impact, maybe, maybe not a high probability. Um, violence, so things like civil unrest or mass shootings, um, riots, an increase in local crime. Utility failures, so anything from power outages to gas shortages, sewage backup, plumbing issues, uh, municipal water failure, internet outages, telecommunication failures. Each one of those is going to have a different impact and it would have a different response, right? A different type of preparation. Terrorism, so things like cyber attacks, nuclear, bombings, structural issues like uh, building collapse or building fires. Every family should have a plan for what to happen, what, what, to, what to do, right? The kids should know what to do if the house catches on fire. Industrial accidents, so explosions, chemical leaks, hazardous fumes and smoke. We witnessed that recently here in the U.S. with like some of the train derailments and all the issues that it caused. Um, government, so collapse of government or power vacuums, uh, collapse of the law, so no law enforcement or a lack of that. Individual problems like job loss, medical emergencies, or the loss of, of family members or breadwinners in the family. And then lastly, with economic, I had things like uh, recession, depression, inflation, even hyperinflation. So that's just to give some ideas, right, of the scope and types of threats that we should be thinking about and looking at. We can list those out, decide which ones are going to be most relevant to us, both in impact and in probability. And I think <clears throat> there's a couple of different levels at which this kind of an exercise can be done, right? Somebody could list out all of those things that you just read and then be very meticulous in like ranking which of those are highest impact and which of those are highest probability. But for some people, like even hearing all that, that might be a little bit overwhelming to start. People think like, there's so many things, so many risks. How do I prepare for it all? And a couple of things come to mind when when I think about that sort of a response. The first is like everybody out there already does some sort of risk modeling, threat modeling. So like you already have the skills. For example, like you might grab an umbrella before you go out the door because you've seen the forecast or you look outside and you see that it's cloudy. Like you see that there's a potential risk and you're doing something to prepare for it. I think about like I have young children and our youngest is still in diapers. And so when we're going somewhere, I have learned always take extra diapers. Right. <laughs> but somebody else who doesn't have young children, they do not need to do that. It would be silly for them to think about taking diapers with them. Right. Um, so it's just, it's something that we already do naturally. So hopefully that builds a little bit of confidence. The other thing is even before you dive into ranking all of these different risks or threats in terms of their, uh, impact and their probability, you can probably just, if somebody said, Hey, what are the five things that you think are the biggest risks? 
you'd probably have a pretty good idea. Um, and maybe just choose the top three, right? And start there. Yeah. So I think there's, if, if you're trying to just do it at like a very high level and you just want to have some peace of mind without going into too much depth, start there. If uh, you really want to go full war and get completely prepared and fully resilient, depending on what your intended outcome is, then yeah, go through the time and, and do this kind of an analysis. And the cool thing about this is that as you prepare, let's say you pick your top five, the things that you think are the just the most likely and highest impact, um, and you go through and you feel like you've prepared for those pretty adequately, there is going to be a large amount of overlap to the other threats, right? Yes. There might be some details in some areas in which you would change your plans or change how you would prepare and, and all of that. But for the most part, like those preparations that you're going to do are going to help in all the other cases as well. Right. Like if you feel like you're at high risk of a house fire and you want to be prepared for that, you're probably going to prepare like some emergency kits and, and food and water and a bag you can take with you out the door. Yeah. That's something that would be helpful in just about a hundred other emergency situations. Exactly. Yeah. So I think that's a really good point. Okay. Yeah. Don't get overwhelmed. The idea here is not to go crazy with it. If, if, if you literally think about every single possible threat and try to prepare for everything. You just, you can't, that's not possible. Um, and you'll drive yourself mad. So focus on, on the, the biggest first, uh, start small and go from there. And we'll get more into the specifics later of right when we create an actual plan and what that looks like. Um, but yeah, don't go to, don't get overwhelmed so far. So you just talked about kind of this idea of, um, probability and impact, right? Those are, the first two items that I've listed here as important factors, but I think there's a couple other factors that go along with those that are also super important to consider when you're trying to decide which threats to focus on. So um, one of those is mitigation costs. So uh, how much does it cost to mitigate a threat if it's less survivable? Again, um, these are some factors I pulled off of this be prepared site. Um, somebody had commented with a few of these and I think that they're great. So a uh, mitigation cost, you know, if, if whatever you're trying to prepare for, let's say it's high probability and high impact, but the only way to like fully prepare for that is to build like a $200,000 bunker in your basement, right? Like let's say you're super worried about nuclear warfare for whatever reason you think that's super high probability. Like the mitigation costs for that are extremely high. And if you don't have the ability to pay those costs, like if it's just something that you can't reasonably prepare for, um, then that may be something to take off the list and let it be something that's outside of your control. There are things outside of our control, like the meteor, right, that we we simply can't prepare for. Um, so taking mitigation costs into effect or into consideration is important. And the other one is opportunity cost. So I think this is a really interesting one. Some of the examples used here were if you were trying to decide between a couple different threats that you're preparing for, and one would require you to stay in your home, right, and protect your home and and bunker down or hunker down, right? I don't like the word bunker, hunker down. Um, and the other option, the other threat is something that you would have to maybe bug out for. And the example I saw somebody use was like, yeah, I could spend a lot of time and energy and maybe money like building this, building out like an RV that I could take somewhere if I needed to be mobile. If I was really worried about climate change in my area, um, maybe wildfires, for example, 
And I didn't want to have to try and get like a hotel when I feel like everyone else is going to be looking for hotels and I, I can just grab my RV and go and it's stocked with the things that I need and, and I can survive off of that for a few weeks. Okay, that that is going to be a significant cost, but maybe I have the ability to do that. What I have to consider though is there is an opportunity cost because I'm putting in so much resources into this one preparation. It's taking away potentially from focus I could be putting in another area which might be a different threat that I think is likely and, and probable, which would require me to stay in my house, right? Which, okay, if, if that threat happens and I've got this RV that's useless to me at that point, but I haven't done any preparations for staying in because I spent it all on that, then I it's not probably the best choice. So trying to figure out, make sure that the opportunity costs aren't too high, that we're not putting all of our eggs in one basket, that we're able to kind of spread that around and make sure that we're equally prepared, but that it's um, that it's beneficial according to the the probability and impact of those threats. Yeah, I think that makes so much sense. And that's another thing that like everyone has to do that kind of prioritization anyways when it comes to resources. You think about anybody just trying to maintain a budget or keep themselves from overspending or just knowing where to spend their money, like it's up to you. Would you, would you rather have decent meals all month or would you rather like eat ramen noodles all month to be able to have some big fancy meal at the end of the month? Right. Do you buy the, do you have a, I don't know, a fancy car? Do you buy a Tesla and spend $600 a month on that payment and eat the ramen noodles? Or do you have great meals and you get to eat whatever you want, gourmet food all month, but you, you ride your bike everywhere? Exactly. So, so much of that then goes back again to the variables. And we've talked about how some of the most important variables in knowing how to prepare and what to prepare for comes down to how much time you have and how much money you have. For somebody that has just tons of money, uh, becoming resilient is going to be a lot easier. Right. The opportunity costs are decently low yeah, <laughs> for that, most things. Somebody in that situation might be able to go buy the big fancy RV and they might be able to have all of the at home food storage kits and they might be able to have all, all the things that they want. Right. Uh, but most of us have very limited resources and so we have to prioritize where we want to put those things. So I, I'm, I think it's spot on that we should look at the costs and also the opportunity costs, what we might be missing out on. Absolutely. So that leads to maybe just one last thing to touch on which is an, an analysis that can be done in lots of different situations. Um, but in this context, I think it becomes especially important, and it's something called a SWOT analysis. And that's S-W-O-T, stands for Strengths, Weaknesses, Opportunities, and Threats. And when it comes to, you talked about like what does it cost and the opportunity cost, and we're talking about all these negative things, all these these threats and risks, but we can also pair that with our variables in terms of what strengths we have and the opportunities that are there. So, for example, like I might have some skills that will allow me to prepare in certain ways much more effectively than other ways. Um, I would want to use those skills and match those with those risks that I think are the, the biggest threats to me. Same thing with opportunities, right? If if I, let's say, one of my uh, big risks 
in the area that I live in is drought. Uh, maybe based on my situation, I have a big opportunity to not only help myself, but help others because I happen to have a connection to a close friend that has like a well with, with enough water to be able to support lots of people. Like that's an opportunity I should take advantage of that other people wouldn't be able to use. So as we match our strengths and our opportunities with those weaknesses and threats, that's where we can really get the most efficiency in the kind of preparation that we do. Yeah. I love that you tie this back to variables because that's a huge part of it. You and I could fall prey to the same threats, right? In in the area that we're in, like drought, but our responses to it could be very different or the vulnerabilities that we feel to it could be very different because of our unique circumstances, right? You might uh, have that close connection with someone with a well on their property, right? And I have nothing. I don't know anyone. I, I don't know what I would do during a drought. So the, um, the burden on me for preparing for that is going to be a little bit more than it is going to be for you. There might be some threats that you you write down in there, they're high impact, they're high probability, but because of your strengths and opportunities in that area, you're not nervous about it. Like bring on that threat because I'm, I'm already prepared for it. Right. Um, where I could have that same threat and it could be my number one game changer that I need to do the work, put in the time, the energy, the money to, uh, to prepare for and become more resilient against. So yeah, knowing your variables, having those listed out, uh, clear in your mind are going to be, you know, it's going to be super important for this step. So, so much of this, when we talk about variables, it really comes down to self-awareness, right? Awareness of your situation, awareness of your strengths, your weaknesses, what your opportunities are, your threats. And that's not the kind of thing that just happens. Like it actually takes some time and effort to think it through and write it down and plan it out. So I think having a good understanding of what your situation is, is going to be one of the most instrumental things in being able to analyze these threats and prepare for them accordingly. Perfect. Okay. So hopefully through this episode, we've kind of got your brain turning a little bit on how to think about, again, what is it we're trying to protect? What is threatening those things? What strengths and weaknesses, vulnerabilities do we have um, in in defending against attacks on those things um, from wherever they may come? Again, we don't want to be overwhelmed in this step. It's just supposed to be a starting block to think, what is it that I'm trying to be resilient against? And then start to get a little bit specific on creating a plan, which is exactly what we're going to be focusing on next week. Perfect. Forward to it. 